and I, as you know, have just got back from a holiday. We were very blessed to be able to go and visit uh, my in-laws over in America. My wife's from America, and from time to time we get to go over there and visit. And this year we took a special trip to a city called Seattle. Maybe some of you have heard of the city Seattle. It's in the northwest, or the far northwest of America. And I didn't know the city well, but when we uh, came to the city, uh, it's an incredible place, an amazing place. It's situated on this wonderful uh, waterway, um, and the backdrop to the city is a mountain range. And there's one particular mountain right behind the city of Seattle that's bigger than all the others, and it's called Mount Rainier. And it just stands head and shoulders above the city, and it's incredible incredibly awe-inspiring, the beauty of the situation that that city is settled in, this wonderful wilderness with mountains and water. And if you've ever been to an American city or seen them on TV, American cities aren't like sort of our cities. They actually have tall buildings (laughs) that go beyond like three floors, and you get all these skyscrapers, and you just stand in the city, and you're looking up, and it's awe-inspiring. And you think, oh my goodness, what a world we live in what cities that we have built. Now, in some, that's in some small way, but for the people of God in the Old Testament, visiting Jerusalem would have brought up those kinds of feelings of awe and wonder and hope and joy, not just about what man has built, but what God has built. If you know anything about Jerusalem, Jerusalem too is, is settled and nestled in a mountain range and on a mountain called Mount Moriah. So you have to climb your way up to Jerusalem. And as you climb and get towards there, you would have seen the walls of Jerusalem with its magnificent gates. And you would have entered in and you would have seen buildings and you would have seen a palace. And right at the center, though, you would have seen this great temple that was built right at the heart of the city. And the real, true excitement of journeying towards Jerusalem would have been not just seeing how glorious the buildings are, but knowing that this is where God's presence dwells on earth. That the closer you got to this city, the closer you were getting to God. How exciting is that? I remember visiting uh, Windsor, a few years ago. Windsor over um, just west of London, you know, where the Queen lives, (laughs) Windsor. And there's a real sense that the closer you get to Windsor, I don't know if you've ever been there, things start to get nicer (laughs) towards Windsor. You're like, the grass is on the verge of the roads is cut and the trees seem to be really happy. (laughs) And the rabbits are all just on the side greeting you. And just things seem better there. The rivers, the houses, everything's clean, tidy, and everyone's looking happy. And the closer you get to Windsor, the closer, the more and more it gets like that. Because somehow you know that you're sort of approaching where the Queen lives. Of course, you finally get there, don't you? And it's a wonderful town, Windsor. And the castle's on the hill, isn't it? The palace is on the hill. And then you think, oh, I'd just love to get even closer. But you know there's only so far you can go before the guys with the big hats and the guns and stuff stop you. Actually, I think you can take tours of Windsor, I'm not sure. Anyway, but the point is, is that the closer you got to Jerusalem, the closer you felt close to heaven itself. But of course, there was always a problem even with Jerusalem. 
like Windsor, is you can only go so far. You can't go all the way into the temple. But you get this sense in Psalm uh, 48, don't you? That the excitement is about God, because verse 2, although it's beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth, like the heights of Zaphon is Mount Zion, the great thing is it's the city of the great king. Verse 3, God is in her citadels. God is in her citadels. That's the exciting thing. But of course, like I said, the the people journeying to Jerusalem would have known that there's only so far, so close you can get to God at the temple because you weren't allowed to go the whole way. The priests would have stopped you. But I hope you can glimpse some of that excitement that you would have approaching Jerusalem. But of course, in another sense, the people of God, and especially now us in the New Testament, we know that that there's something more here, though. That Jerusalem wasn't the ultimate hope for the people of God. Jerusalem, as, as inspiring as it was, and as glorious as it was, pointed to something even greater than that city. It pointed to the city of God. Zion itself. The new Jerusalem kept in heaven, waiting for God's people, where God the Father has his throne room with all the angels. You can see that scattered throughout the psalm, that the city of God, yes, is Jerusalem, but in many of the psalms, the city of God, there's an eternal city of God, one that will never fade away, one where the king will reign forever, whether it's in Psalm 2, or 23, or 24, or many of the Psalms, we see this great city of Zion. And so as the worshippers, as they approached Jerusalem, got a sense of awe, it would have inspired them even more to consider the true Zion that everyone was looking forward to. Because let's face it, you know, this Psalm, we could say, well, it's pointless for us, because I might never visit Jerusalem. It's all very well saying, walk about Zion, go round and count the towers and have a look at the walls and things. What if I never get there? I know I've got Google, I could probably look at the walls and stuff. But for most of us, we won't ever get there. Is this psalm redundant to us? Not at all. Not at all. Because it's ultimately not talking about a city in the Middle East. It's talking about the great city that we are to contemplate as Christians the city of God. And there's plenty of scriptures that talk about the new Jerusalem and what it's like. Revelation 21 and 22. Ezekiel chapter 40 and onwards. Chapters in Isaiah that talk about the new heavens and the new earth. It's all in there for us to consider. Well, this psalmist is delighting in his memories of being in Jerusalem. But also the psalmist is telling us to, for ourselves to meditate and contemplate this great city, even today. I don't know if you're um, a bit of a daydreamer, whether you find your, your thoughts wandering. Uh, maybe you had uh, a conversation with someone over lunch or you're in a car journey with someone, but your mind is somewhere else even though 
someone's talking with you or you're doing something else. Maybe when you were at school, think back to when you were at school. Were you the person who was leaning on the desk, looking out the window, thinking about something else? Um, daydreaming about tomorrow or what you're going to do in the future? Uh, when you were a child, maybe you daydreamed about, I don't know, what you were going to, the fantastical things you were going to be doing when you grew up and all those kinds of things. We, we do daydream as people. And actually our daydreams are quite telling, aren't they? The things that we sort of imagine would be good to be true. Um, or the things that we really want for our lives. Daydreaming about the next holiday or the bigger house or whatever it is. We have all these fancies and dreams that we daydream about. Scripture encourages us to daydream about the heavenly city of Jerusalem, heaven itself. It encourages us to daydream about that reality. And that has benefits for us in our Christian lives. Let's just look at verse 12 and 13 for a moment. As this psalmist daydreams, walk about Zion. Go round her, count her towers, consider well her ramparts, view her citadels that you might tell of them to the next generation. You get this sense that the psalmist wants us to, and we're going to have to do it in our minds and in our daydreaming, walk about that place, picture what it could be like. Think about what the streets are like, what the river of life will be like, what the tree of life is like. Think about the, where God is dwelling and the angels and all those things. Walk around it in your mind and be thinking about it in your day. Now, what's that expression that is, uh, don't have your head in the clouds because you'll be of no earthly use or something? Do you know that expression? Sorry, I'm going off piste a little bit here. It's just come to my mind. Um, the Bible says it's the other way, really. Get your head in the clouds and you'll be of great earthly use. Okay, get your head in the clouds because you'll be of great earthly use. Why is daydreaming about this great place so important? For two reasons. Firstly, meditating on the reality of God's heavenly city gives us meaning and purpose, focus and hope today. Okay, meditating and daydreaming about heaven gives us meaning and purpose. For today, it helps us know and think about where our true home is and the reality that what Jesus has done for us in giving us a sure and certain future that is to come gives us real meaning and purpose today. One of the greatest problems I find actually with many people in this day and age, particularly in this day and age. Uh, when empire is over and, I don't know, all the, the glories of our country seem to be fading away and all that sort of stuff, is that people lack meaning and purpose. That we've lost any sense of what God is doing in this world. That our meaning and purpose has turned to very shallow things like... Um, you know, getting enough stuff from B&Q to make my garden right, you know, or making sure uh, my children get a good education, or as good as those things are, 
they're too shallow for us to give true meaning and purpose to our lives that help us be the kinds of people that God has created us to be. And we need to restore that in our lives. It's getting really sad, actually, when I, when I think about people even my age as have had children, children at school and everything, and you sort of think, well, what's next? Maybe I'll just take up a hobby. Maybe I ought to do some, you know, golf a bit more or, you know, what's next? Loads of people my age are struggling for meaning and purpose, and they're finding it difficult to find it in their jobs, even difficult to find it in their families, difficult to find it in just the meaningless entertainment that we seem to surround ourselves in. When we daydream about the realities of what God is doing and the new city of Jerusalem soon to come and fill this earth and all that that brings, suddenly it gives meaning and purpose to our lives. Men and women, young people and old people have a reason to get out of bed every day for a great hope is coming. We have a mission and an urgency to bring and welcome new people into this kingdom. We have a bounce in our step, an optimism, a joy, a reason for being, a calling. If we stop daydreaming, when I say daydreaming, I don't mean it to be a fantasy, I mean it to be a reality, an unseen reality that we know to be true. But the more we, in our minds, walk about the streets Consider the ramparts, the citadels, where God dwells. The more we do that, the more we will feel it's sense our day-to-day lives being filled with meaning and purpose. And everything else takes its place. Everything else just takes its place and has its proper place without becoming an idol in our hearts. So that's one benefit. The second benefit um, of using a psalm like Psalm 48 to meditate on the city of God is that it helps us live in the present. See, you'd think it means mean I'm always living in the future if I do that too much. Actually, it helps us live in the present. Jesus actually says, don't worry about tomorrow, just think about today. And you're like, hold on, doesn't Psalm 48 consider us to think about the future? Well, yes, But Jesus says, because you know you're thinking about your future, you know you can be in the present. So many of us are so busy trying to sort out our futures that we've got no time to be in the present. We expend so much energy worrying about the future and planning for it, working for it, protecting against it, hoping for it, all that stuff that we can't be in the present. Anyone feel like that ever? And this psalm says that if you, if you meditate on what you know your future to be, you can live in the present. Sometimes on a Saturday morning, uh, we take our children to play football in the park where there's organized games and training and clubs and all that sort of stuff. And you go along and your, your kid joins the football And as a parent, you can either stay at the side uh, and watch or or go away. But there's always someone, uh, a poor designated parent, that's standing at the side where everyone seems to have just dropped their bags next to them in order that they can watch the stuff 
while the children go and play. So all these kids are dropping off their bags, I don't know, wallets, watches, rings, mobile phones, all the stuff and gadgets that they've got, and they drop it off with this poor parent who's surrounded by this huge uh, area of bags and stuff, and they, they can't move because they've got to watch the stuff. But they're brilliant. That person, that volunteer, I love that person because they watch the stuff, and it sets everyone else free to be in the moment of playing football. You know what I mean? God is watching our stuff. He's got it in heaven, ready, secure. Your room, your place, your home is safe and secure with Jesus in that glorious city of God. He's got your stuff. It sets you free. You can live today. You can get on with your life. Don't worry about that stuff. Don't worry. He's got it. That's what meditating, daydreaming on that future does. Stop doing that and you start to worry about your stuff. You start to worry about your life. So strangely, thinking about that future glorious place helps us live in the present. Lastly, and here's my last point because we must get to communion. Let me just go back to verse 12. Walk about Zion, go round her, count her towers, consider well her ramparts, view her citadels. Like I said, we might not ever visit Jerusalem, but we can still use the things of this world to help us imagine the things of that world. Does that make sense? We can visit cities like Windsor or places that inspire us. And instead of going, oh, wow, that's what I want, we say, wow, what's it going to be like? You know, when, you go, when we go to Hadley Castle in this Saturday and we're sitting on that grass and we're overlooking the river and we're on that mountaintop hill, we go, wow, what will Zion be like, the mountain of God, as it overlooks the river of life that flows from heaven to water all creation and bring life and goodness? Or when you're standing by a magnificent tree and you think, look at the abundance of fruitfulness of this wonderful living creature. You say, well, what will the tree of life be like? That the, that the Bible says is for the, the leaves are for the healing of the nations and will bear its fruits all year round. There are so many ways we can do that. But at the heart of the psalm is verse 9. Within your temple, O God, we meditate on your unfailing love. All of that. It's not just about the gold streets and the wonderful palaces. All that is to help us center on the unfailing love of God. And why does it do that? Because Jerusalem is the place where our Savior died. It is the place that he walked the streets carrying a cross. It is the place that when he went through the gates... He did it bleeding and staggering and dying in order that those gates remain open for you and for me. 
In fact, he was led outside the city gates, right near the entrance, where he was crucified and died. And the love of God, the unfailing love of God was shown to the whole world. That if you were to ever enter Jerusalem again, you would not fail to remember that's where he died. And the only way I can enter this city of God, Zion itself, is through the crucified Savior of the God who loved me. So when we see these things, when we see Windsor Castle, when we see Hadley, when we look at a beautiful tree, when we see these things and we consider the city of God, our hearts and minds are taken to Jesus as he dies for the sins of the world and to fling wide the gates of heaven that all might come in. Of course, we will consider and adore and worship the unfailing love of God when we consider Jerusalem. Let's pray this morning.